Hey there, podcast listeners. This is your host, Joshua B. Kirkman. Uh, this podcast that I'm releasing today is a bit of a rerun from the core podcasts, uh, which were published through the Riptide platform originally. Um, as many of you know, that's where this whole podcasting journey for me began on Riptide. So a big shout out for them uh, for giving me a quick start there. Um, but since bringing it over to La Boogie, I realized that many of you who are tuning in here may not have heard a lot of these older podcasts, um, and a lot of the content still quite relevant and interesting, I feel. So one of those was a really cool interview I did with Jake Stone uh, in the middle of last year. Um, Stone, he's a bit of a, 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 definitely a character of the sport of bodyboarding and someone that um, I know that a lot of you out there want to hear more of and to hear what he's up to and 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 you'd love to see him surfing more, I'm sure, and out in the waves. But um, I wanted to share this one with you because I really enjoyed it. Um, I really enjoyed uh, a lot of his honesty in the in the podcast, and um, I think he's a bit of a legend. So hopefully you find it just as interesting as I did, and I will now leave it up to you. Thanks. He's Jake Stone. G'day, how you going? Good, thank you for joining me. We're sitting here in Kiama for the Bodyboard King Kiama Pro. Um, we're both now recently knocked out of this event, but we're pretty, we're okay with it, are we? You okay with oh, it? I'm a bit sour on it, but it's oh, yeah. all right, life goes on. Yeah? <laughs> why, why are you sour about it? Uh, well, I don't know, I guess it's a direct reflection of where my energy's at to start, but I think that uh, I did, the waves didn't come my way and I feel like I just didn't get a chance. So they're always hard losses. But, yeah, like I said, you, your energy's got to be tunnel-visioned in mm. to to succeed, I believe, anyway. So, okay. Especially in comps. The, uh, is, this, is this your only comp this year? What else have you done this year? Um, I went in a D-bar comp, just a Australia tour comp. That, that was it, yeah, and that was quite small mm. conditions as well. Mm. Mm. All right, well then, uh, are, you, are you looking at all at the rest of the tour this year? I'm sure listeners would really love to know what your plans are if you're uh, returning to the competitive scene or whether this was just a one-off. Uh, at the moment, it's just a one-off, man. I'm not getting paid to bodyboard anymore. Um, so, yeah, at the moment, this is just a one-off for me unless there's, I can get a deal going, you know, with the APB, doing some filming on the tour or, yeah, to go over and surf in Nazare and, and uh, Canaries, which I'd love to, but, yeah, yeah I mean... Um, survival's first. <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling. Mm. Um, let's talk about that though. A lot of people, um, it's it's pretty well publicised that you've split from Stealth this year after. Uh, oh, is it? I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, nah, yeah. Sales, so. Oh, well, let's talk about <laughs> that. Let's talk about that. So, I mean, what? How long were you with Stealth originally? Um, well, I've been with World Bodyboards for uh, since I was very young. So. Um, I was 16, I think, when I first signed with LMNOP, which was under Julio, the oh. owner of World Bodyboards. Wow. So I'm 28 now, it's 12 years. Wow. It's quite a long time with them, and they gave me an awesome career. So it was, yeah, it was cool. But it was a long time. I went from uh, them, yeah, to LMNOP, to VS, and then to Stealth. So So this was all within the one company? Yeah, this is all, like, um, owned by Julio, who is the, yeah, like, the owner of World Bodyboards. And that before that, I think he was under... Tom Cypress, is it? That name sounds really familiar. Yeah. Yeah, so. So how does that actually even work then? Because um, I think 
I'm unsure whether many listeners understand the nature of bodyboarding and the industry itself, but so you were riding for many different brands under the same company. How do you, why did you switch brands in the first place throughout that period? Um, I'm not really too sure. Well, I think a big thing when I was growing up is like the brands itself would sell the boards a lot as well as the rider. And if the riders were, you know, powerful, like if you had a Ryan Hardy or a Mitch Rollins on a, or a band player on NMD, they just sold boards and, you know, it was a big thing to be a part of a brand like that. So when I was with LMNOP, it was kind of LMNOP in the United States and uh, Julio here in Australia and Tom, they kind of got me on, but it was, it was like partly owned, it felt. Um, so, and I didn't sell too many boards with them. So when I got the chance to go for, for VS and be on the same team as, you know, Rollins was at the time, um, that was just huge. And I think I sold a lot more boards with VS back then. Might have been a reflection of the industry, I don't know, but yeah, I did. I sold, I sold a lot more boards and money was coming in. Do you think the, the sale of those boards had as much to do with the quality of the team around you and maybe there was a tighter control over the brand? Was it a more local brand, essentially? It was a bigger industry, I feel. It's bigger, oh. like, booming. Mm. Like, it was... Like, I'm stoked I got to see that part of the sport because it was super busy and, like, everything that I... All my energy was in that mm. to go... To move forward and do the world tour and do video parts and be a part of this, like, cool thing. And, um that you know it was just it was popping back then mm. yeah and so eventually you transitioned to stealth what why did you transition to stealth in your kind of brand association um julio took over world bodyboards from tom cypress uh-huh. as the owner and julio was like expressed to me that he would like me to ride for stealth and that like mind you vs and nmd had it split off and julio i don't think wanted them to be a part of the whole thing mm. well, I could be wrong there but yeah okay. um, yeah it wasn't a part of it I should say um, and you know Ben and Winnie took over VS and NMD and they were just getting that started with Mez okay. uh, well, I think they're, they're distributors in Australia yep. and then Mez is the owner uh-huh. um, again don't count me on that okay. it's not facts yeah sure 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 <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, disclaimers yeah 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 I um yeah I just thought yeah, sorry, I lost my train of thought. For a well, just the transition to stealth. So there was just a moment where yeah. it was proposed to you to ride for stealth instead of VS. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And okay. I just and I thought, yeah, something cool, something fresh. And yeah. The branding was, you know, a little bit uh, kind of unit vibe yeah. at the start, and they changed the whole branding and it looked cool. And I thought, yeah. fuck yeah, this could work. Yeah. And um, yeah, it just took off really slow. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then and then it died really slow. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about that death because there is a bit of a controversy at the moment. Mm. Um, you know, what, what, is, what has happened in this um, departure from stealth and your kind of connection now um, to found? There's absolute, like, there's no, there's no, um, I'm not pissed off or anything because for all I know it could have been a reflection where, where I was putting my energy and I think it maybe was a bit that too. But, um, yeah, it just wasn't working, man. It felt like, um, you know, the boards weren't selling. Um, and, you know, boards make money mm. for the company, mm. uh, lower end and higher end. So the boards weren't selling. The industry didn't seem like it was booming. So Julio was like, oh, I'm going to cut your contract from, um, yeah, I was getting quite a, quite a good sum of money. And then it just like, yeah, more than halved. Um, yeah, I think it went down to like, yeah, 15% of what I was getting. Wow. Something. So it was like pretty... That's a pretty big hit. It's a big hit. Um, 
yeah, so that, that was that was pretty full on. But it's in saying that too, I knew it was coming. Uh, I knew that I was going to take some pay cut just mm. by the general vibe I had got from World. So I wasn't too surprised. But you were surprised by 15% of the total. Yeah, fuck yeah. yeah like you massive. can't do shit with that. Man. No, no, no. Like, you know what? Like I could. I could do maybe one or two trips a year mm. um, and go backwards like I have been. Mm. Or, you know, put my energy into creating a brighter future for myself, mm. which in my heart is what felt right. Mm. So I'm a big believer in if something feels good, follow that feeling. Because like why, why would you be going against the grain? Mm. And that's, you know, a lot of people... A lot of people don't understand that. You know, it's not... I don't feel like it's necessarily what I want to do. It's what I feel is guiding me through my life. Mm. And that's what is... Um, that's what I'm trying to follow more mm. at the moment. Mm. So, I mean, like a 12-year a or so relationship with a company, with the staff, um, do you... Does it hurt the way it's ended? Or, like, how do you feel? Is it sad... Or are you okay with it all? <laughs> I'm a bit sad, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, like, I'm a bit sad that it was, um, it couldn't keep going. Mm. But again, I'm 28. Like, mm. I'm not young. I'm not, I'm not 16 anymore. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've had a great run. I've traveled the world 10 times over. I've seen a lot of great things. And um, I've been totally blessed, man. So it is sad. I'd love to win a world title. Like, that's, mm. that would be fucking awesome. And I'd like to do that. Mm. But is that a reality right now? Mm. I've only, I think I've got four years I could, you know, I could definitely do that. Mm. But we're just, I'm in a, yeah, like I said before, I'm feeling out what I really want. Mm. And what I really want right now is getting my base shark resorted, my safety security, having mm. enough money to, to eat and put away and then go on a trip and not worry about money, mm. have my expenses covered. And mm. that's something that I haven't felt before and it's something that I think everyone needs to build out from. Mm. So... With this decline in the in the industry that you've noticed, because you've kind of lived through it, and then yep. you've seen the result of a fifteen percent contract on your yeah, last yeah. one, like, is there is there any hope for young riders to look at this as a as? Do you think what you had is even possible anymore? Not right now. Nah. Nah. Like, I wouldn't give advice to because you know it's their journey, but mm. I wouldn't telegram not to because I would trade money for all the experience of. I've had mm. 100% every day of the week. But yeah, I wouldn't say to a Grom, if you're, if you want to make money and have longevity and like, you know, buy a house or something, like bodyboarding is not the sport. Mm. But if you love it and you want to just the experiences, which I think is more valuable, do mm. it. But yeah, it's not, it's not easy, man. Every, every, that's why I respect bodyboarders so much because every single one of us here on the tour has worked their fucking asses off to get mm -hmm. here. It's mm. not like it. Nothing is given easy, mm. and you've got to be the best. So, so what are some of these things that you you mentioned that you kind of you saw the cut coming, uh, and you said maybe it was a reflection of where you were at as much as where the company was at. So where were you at in this kind of decline phase? Like, what were you focusing your energies on? Um, a lot of things, man. Like, I'm very active. I, or I like doing a lot of different things, but my energy wasn't necessarily focused in. Like, it feel, you know, it's, it felt like I had had heroin. <laughs> <laughs> riding, riding the biggest waves. Yeah. Won two Australian titles. Yeah. The only thing left on my list that I wanted to achieve in bodyboarding was a world title. Sure. And that didn't seem feasible for me at the time with the money that I was getting. Yeah. Um, and I was like, and then Leo said there was three <clears> stops coming up on the tour and I was like, fuck yeah, I could do that. Yeah. And I definitely feel like I could win. Mm. So I was like, you know, um, 
and, and again, my biggest battle's always been my head. Mm. And all that, all I needed to really do was focus inward mm. and not take everything so serious and I can win. Mm. But yeah, I just, I didn't at the time have the resources for that. So I mm. think I needed a little break, mm. but yeah. And you've, and you've kind of, I mean, you, you've tra- you're transitioning into a few other things in life. You say you like to keep busy and stuff like that. So what, what are these things and why, why do they mean something to you? Um, so start yeah, with, you yeah. know, what, what are you doing right now? Right. Well, I'm doing a lot of like jujitsu and uh, mixed martial arts. And that to me is huge because it's um, humbled me in a mm. lot of ways. I was, grew up as a bit of a little street rat kid and had a lot of bad, you just always used to do bad shit and it was really humbling to go into a gym and get their shit kicked out of you basically and just humble you. So that's something that I'll, yeah, keep doing for the rest of my life, I feel, right now anyway. And um, yeah, still bodyboarding a bit, still riding a surfboard a bit. That has kind of pulled back a little bit. Hurt my leg, my left leg surfing on a surfboard in Bali and that was another big wake-up call after a Mm -hmm. leg break that I did on a trampoline. Mm. So I was just like, all right, what's going on? (laughs) Yeah, like I don't think I'm supposed to go this path. So Mm. um, I'm doing what feels right. Yeah, the path of the heart. <laughs> and so what is that? What What is doing what feels right look like in the practical sense? Just slowing your things down, man, and breathing and just like having an overall look at how I can help other people as well. It's not just about me. So I'm trying to find a career that is going to allow me to help people and feel satisfied inside myself as well. And that like if you can align yourself with a higher purpose i feel like it's just the key to life because there's nothing yeah riding big waves is it gives you that that hit but it's fleeting Mm. so how are you going to find that inner peace and that's like that's what i'm looking at i'm looking for a deeper connection with life and um whether that's bodyboarding i don't know yet (laughs) are you a spiritual guy um yeah i mean if that sounds spiritual to you i don't feel like i'm gonna be yeah i mean we're all spiritual we're all human beings. <laughs> I mean, some, some, yeah, maybe we're not all spiritual. I don't know. Some people just love sink and piss and get in fights. I've got right some amazing unspiritual. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like deep down, they probably are. Though, yeah. you know? like, okay. When they go home to their wives at nights, they might, cr- they might cry. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> Is, it, has it, has it been, um, did you grow up with religion or anything like that in your no. life? No. I, uh, I was, it was pushed on me because I went to a Christian school for like three years. That's interesting. Yeah, but that was, that was I still saw right through that, man. <laughs> like there was just old <laughs> creepy dudes who were getting around like, it's weird, <laughs> don't you reckon? Yeah, I grew up with it pretty much forced on me as well. Yeah. I always found it weird in school. We used to have scripture classes in mm. school. Yeah. It, that, uh, it blows my mind yeah. to think that that's what I grew up with. Yeah, and mm. religion's cool, I reckon. Like, especially, you know, Christianity, if you look back at it, is has some great messages, but mm. it's not to be taken literally. Mm. It's like it's a metaphor for life, like do good to others. There's plenty of good like good stuff in the Bible, but, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say Moses really split the sea, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a pretty big feat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've you've kind of recently, you know, on the on the bodyboarding front, you you're now riding Mitch with with Mitch Mitch's boards. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that feel? Feels great because I had a good uh, relationship with Mitch before it, and then this was just like a look. This is what I want. I still want to create good movies. Mm. Like I really am into my film as well. That's another thing I'm passionate about, and um, I want to grow that. He's, he's 
splitting from you know he's still doing bodyboarding he's got other couple of things on the go as well mm. and I, that i can be a part of mm. um and i said look let's just work together like i'd love nothing more than to see found succeed because mm. you're the best rider in the world and you've got the best you know what i think is the best brand um it's just cool it's a mm. cool brand yeah i agree and um I wanted to be a part of that. Mm. I didn't want money. Mm. If if I can make a pro model and make ten grand or whatever, I'm stoked. I'll go on a trip and I'll spend that and uh, on a trip and we'll do some good video stuff. Mm. But it's not it's not about making money or, or bleeding money from the sport. It's no. about putting back in, which is which feels better, man. Mm. Mm. With the, I mean, to be on this journey and to be um, looking for higher purpose mm. and breathing, being present. Um, that's all good, mm-hmm. but what? How are you actually earning money? How are you actually like? What? What do you do now to to survive in the practical economical sense? Um, yeah, well, this is something that was fucking super scary for me because I stepped foot on a job site and I would shit myself. I was like, this, I, could, I cannot do this. Yeah, right. So it was super scary to overcome the fear of not getting an income from something that I felt so comfortable getting. Mm. Um, and then, you know, bills and stuff and getting comf- getting used to... Like, everyone wants to get used to their comfortable life, but to step backwards is actually pretty scary. Mm. And um, no one wants to do that, so I didn't want to do that. Mm. And um, I was forced to, and it's actually built my character a lot. And the way I make money now is, you know, I, I potter around. I make, like, make coffees on Wednesday, Thursday mornings, and then, um, yeah, film... I actually got really good money from that first half a year. Mm-hmm. Um, working under Epo's wife, Krista, she's really into her media and does some really cool stuff. So mm-hmm. I kind of went on as a, uh, a DOP for her. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, so film, coffee, and then I've just started taking my own like classes for like meditation, posture, and strength mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. Yeah. It's funny, those, um, all three of those things to me when I hear them in connection to each other they, they, they are all about the details mm. like it, they're quite detailed things mm. if, you, if you're a barista you know it is all about the details the temperature of the water that's passing through yeah. getting the right stretching the milk yeah. properly <laughs> yeah, yeah. you stretch it you don't froth it no. alright <laughs> yeah that's it <laughs> You don't want um, it to be bubbly. Yeah, exactly. And like photography is all about the details, the settings mm. and things like that. Mm. Have you have you always been a, a very a guy kind of focused on the details? Is that how would you characterize yourself that way? Yeah, I think I like creating. I yeah. think I like um I mean even making coffee is monotonous for me. It's too monotonous. It's oh, like, okay. Yeah, it's three hours of serving people. I like the making the art of making the coffee, which I you know, try and learn more and more about that. But mm. um Video editing, being able to create and see something in your head and put it to real life is really what lights me up. Mm-hmm. More so than all of that is seeing someone change their life for the better. Someone with an injury or something that is like someone's got a sore shoulder and I can help them with that. Or something that really lights me up, whereas I don't think I'm right there yet, is the mental emotional side of things for life. Because I feel like I have been through some dark stuff mentally that has allowed me now to see other people's dark stuff that I can help them with mm. and that is something when you help someone with their yeah to overcome anxiety or depression or something like that it's just you know there's that's what the path of the heart to me is that the feeling of like helping someone better themselves mm. mm. that that lights me up the most I yeah like that's from you know I've only been doing this since January I haven't been getting paid mm. so or February so it's very early six months but yeah from what I can feel so far I'm just letting that guide me and that's what feels them lights me up the most. Mm. So. 
has has these um has this anxiety been a problem for you in the past massively man yeah like i lost my mum to cancer when i was 18 yeah. and i bottled it up didn't cry at the funeral yeah, right. had a bunch of heavy stuff that i just wouldn't focus on mm. and then um 21 came around so it was three years later and i had bottled it up so much that it came out in an anxiety mm. disorder and okay. a, a panic attack disorder yeah, right. and um depression yeah just severe depression and it's um looking back now i can't believe i went through it mm. but i can see why i did mm. it's like you can't bottle up emotions it's no. like you can cry you're a man mm. it's like we're taught to be this tough human being but you're not you just ether <laughs> you can die you can die pretty easy so yeah that was it's a big wake-up call to be able to just go yeah you know what i am feeling shit and yeah. it, it's easy to get help and um once you can really get in touch with your authentic self you'll be a lot happier mm. Mm. did you um did you get help I did, yeah. I was um, really bad at one stage and I was like calling psychologists and stuff at like three in the morning. This one chick uh, that, I, that I talked to for like a year. Yeah. Uh, I'd ring her at like three in the morning and be like, I can't, like I had some crazy stuff happening in my head, like where I'd wake up, like I feel like someone slam a door on my head. Yeah, at, right. Every night at like 3 a.m. Yeah, right. I felt like a door was shutting next to my ear. And I'd Interesting. Wake, I'd wake up and I'd just be like super alert and super mm. fearful that I was dying. Yeah, right. Um, and it was a literal sound of a door shutting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, like a big bang. And boom, awake Bang, up. awake, can't sleep. Yeah. Um, and that was pretty full on. Like, that's like, that's one of the things, man. And then thoughts, man. Like, thoughts mm. are huge. I had some massive scary thoughts when I was younger of, like, killing people and having yeah. all this deep, dark thoughts of, like, um, I remember one was, like, uh, I wanted to rip this. <laughs> Sounds crazy. <but laughs> you share it. You, yeah, yeah. This is you, it's all yeah. you. <laughs> um, I had this uh, a surfboard outside, and I just I just looked at the surfboard fin, and I was like, "Fuck that thing's sharp. Like you could kill someone with it." And I know it doesn't sound crazy, but at the time, I connected with that thought, and I yeah. was like, "Fuck me, that's crazy. I need help." <laughs> oh, because you were thinking about the yeah, killing part. Killing someone, and yeah. they're just thoughts, man. And yeah. I know I know everyone has bad thoughts. Yeah, they do. Like it's. But the thing is that the mind is a lousy uh, master, but a great servant. So you need to be in control of your mind. And the first time I read The Power of Now and I separated myself from my thoughts, mm. at like this moment, what they call like a centauri, it's where you, you feel like this deep down joy mm. for the first time. I was on a plane going to Mexico, I think, and I felt it and I was like, holy shit, mm. uh, I've awakened. It was like a, mm. it was like a, I'm not my thoughts. Like I've been running since I was a kid. I was mm. like... I'm everything I think. I think I'm everything I think. Mm. <laughs> so I'm this cool bodyboarder yeah. that like gets chicks or yeah. whatever, thinks he's cool. And, yeah. and then all of a sudden, like any, anyone would say something to threaten that and I'd yeah. be fucking reacting. Yeah. And then I was like, I read that book and it just changed my life, man. I was like, oh, I'm yeah. not that. <laughs> I'm not my thoughts. I'm, yeah, wake the fuck up. <laughs> You're no one. Yeah. I remember when I was going, because I, you know, obviously my story is pretty kind of more and more known now about me just vanishing from the sport mm. when it was all kind of going pretty well. It was mm. my best year and then I was like, I'm out. And yeah, I remember for me, it was kind of like, there was just an emptiness in it all. And um, and it was that kind of trying to figure out the future. And, and I remember I went, you know, it's a long journey to get through all this shit. And um I didn't have to, I was very lucky in that I didn't have to call a psychologist because mm. my um, girlfriend at the time, her dad was a psychologist, okay. her stepdad, yeah. and me and him are best buds. So mm. I'd just go and have a coffee with him yeah. and I'd get Sick. the treatment, yeah. you know, yeah. like, so Sick. I didn't have Perfect. to like admit that and I had, exactly, yeah, <laughs> and it's free. Yeah. So I was pretty lucky and, mm. um, 
But I do remember, um, you know, I went to Buddhist retreats and mm. uh, every other bullshit thing you can yeah. look for, and they were all very helpful mm. things. Yeah. Um, did you did you ever have to? Um, did you manage to rely on? Because this is a very common thing for so many people who might be listening to this. Yeah, like a lot of people deal with depression, the anxiety, mm. and all those things. Yeah. What's the single most important thing that you've done to deal with these challenges? What's the piece of advice you'd give? Uh, the easiest thing. Man, number one thing that comes to mind right now is um, go online, sign up to Jordan Peterson's self-authoring program. Okay. Yeah. Figure out why your life means something to you mm -hmm. and you'll get rid of your depression. That's what I believe. If you have a goal or a dream mm. and you know where you're going, then depression doesn't mean shit. Mm. You know, I don't, I'm not a huge believer. I've been there. I felt that depression, that the suicidal thoughts, all of that stuff. Mm. I don't, I'm not a believer in me, like prescribing yourself through the medical system. Mm. I think that we just because we can't see our emotions and our mental side of things that um, it doesn't matter. It does. Mm. So you need to understand that like, you need, yeah, man, like the more you look into your chakras mm -hmm. and the mental, emotional state that you're in, you will be able to open up and, and just take yourself out of it and be aware of it. But yeah, that's my number one thing I'd do. And that's, you know, I've studied a lot of uh, Paul Check as well with the holistic mm -hmm. lifestyle coaching and it's similar. It's like to sort your life out, you know, to create order in chaos. Mm. So, and Jordan has a massive thing for that, which is a self-authoring program, mm. which is like designing your dream life. And that helps, man. It does. Okay. Uh, diet too. Oh my God. I mean, diet. So much, man. Like, okay. Honestly, we could talk for a long time about it. But diet, if you're eating KFC and McDonald's, you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your, it? If that's your prime diet, then yeah. Um, yeah. You might, like, honestly, it's it's bad, man. You can yeah. treat your body shit, but it's it's the vessel you're in. Yeah. You need to get some good organic meat, some good quality water. Um, you know, the first time... I think it was 10 years ago, someone told me that I shouldn't drink tap water. I called him a fuckwit and mm. got really angry. Um, looked into it a, year, a week later. I haven't drank, drank tap water yeah, since, right. you know. So you need some good spring water. Yeah, and I've, I've seen that help a lot of people. Just water alone. Mm. Mm. Just hydrating. Just hydrating. It's good water, man. Mm. Look into it. Mm. If, if I could recommend anything, it'd be go on YouTube and look up The Dirt Facts by Paul Check okay. and watch the whole 14-part uh, lecture on that and it's okay. mind-blowing cool mm. cool mm. i reckon i reckon we've had a good chat yep but i mean i think i i, I for one yeah thank you for sharing mm. that because yeah i mean the the story for all of us seems to be it's just the story of overcoming the challenges mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> and for sure. you know some some people figure it out in different ways and seem to get there quicker but um but i guess in a closing remark or, or whatever like what what do you where do you kind of a or do you dare imagine where bodyboarding can be for you in the in the coming years like remembering that people listening are bodyboarders pre mm -hmm. predominantly what do you say to them about what you're doing and or what can they expect from you uh from me um to create to create i want to create great sections mm. bodyboarding okay so obviously i need to be in peak performance mm. that's what i would like to do but unless i get some for me it's a bit more about money now mm. unfortunately it is mm. Mm. it's normal um 
I would like to be financially secure to do the world tour mm. and I'll do it mm. and I'll win it. But well, I, I'm going to be there too. <laughs> Man, that's the mindset you need. To win. <laughs> yeah, but uh, whether that happens or not. Sure. Yeah. All right. That's something to look forward to. Yeah, but yeah, video sections with Mitch, man. I'd like to yeah. film him. I'd like to create some good stuff with him and Todd Barnes and yeah. Chris White. And uh, yeah, I think the world's going in an interesting place with the with the media at the moment. So yeah. I'm sure we can make something happen. Cool. And um, I do love competing. Like I've had a blast down yeah, here yeah, competing, it's, man. It's even, even losing, but you know, being around everyone, it's sick. Yeah, it's fun. That's mm. fun. All right, well then let's leave it there. We've got to get kicked out of this surf club and go throw a frisbee or something. That's what bodyboarders do when they're not bodyboarding these days. Yeah. So um, <laughs> thanks for thanks for the chat. Thanks, mate. Awesome. Cheers. So there you go. A little um, chat there with Jake Stone. Recorded some time ago now, but um, still really an interesting one and and quite a relevant one. Still hoping to see um, how things go for him this year and if he can um, make an appearance or two on the world tour. I'm sure it'd be... um, quite an exciting moment to see him there um otherwise you know thank you all for for tuning into this little kind of re-listen of um the podcast um it was a special one for me and i hope it was a special one for you too just remember now that there's a few of these podcasts dropping um you know there's a whole listening library that's building behind um this episode and there's so many more to come um what many of you you know, you're probably a little bit impatient, but there are some really great ones coming with, um, you know, I've got Pat Caldwell, Kano McGee, Tamaga, Spencer Skipper, Mason Rose, also there in the in the vault, Joe Clark too. So I just got to get the energy and time to, to drop these out there to you all to enjoy listening. Um, but thank you all for the support. It's really appreciated. I'm glad you're all enjoying the podcast. Until next time. Okay, the book, 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 the book,